can go in one ear and out the other. We've been blessed. Amen. Amen. All right. I felt like I just had a gladiator moment. I flashed back to, you know, the guy down there, bloody, fighting for his life. And whether he lived and died was in the hand of Caesar. And Caesar's like this. And everybody's looking to see whether it'll be up or whether it'll be down. And I thought, I hope it's up. Thank you that it was up. Uh, We take seriously what we do, who we represent as children of God. We take take it seriously uh, who we represent as in a local church. We try to maintain an immaculate testimony. And uh, it is a privilege to be part of Anchor Baptist Church. Thank you. All right? Now, how do you follow that? I was in the army. Did I ever tell you I was in the army? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Take your Bibles this morning as you stand. I'll get it. I'll get this. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read the entire chapter. No, we're not. I'm in a good mood because I didn't fall off the stage during Sunday school. (laughs) Platform. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, I, I trust is a familiar verse. It says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord God, for this day. May we be glad and rejoice in it. Help us to remember all the things we need to remember from where we were, what we were, who we were, to what we are now and why. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the freedom we have here. Thank you for so many things. Thank you for the privilege to have your inerrant, inspired word and able to open it, read it. Pray and ask, Lord, you'd bless the message. Bless all that are here. Meet needs I wouldn't know how to meet if I knew them in detail. So I pray, God, that uh, you just do what only you can do, and we'll give you the glory for it. And I pray it in Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Amen. Uh, First thing about that verse now, uh, it, it says, and we know. And I'm glad this morning that we can know some things. And uh, I got my thoughts, I got my opinions, I've got the way I was raised, things I was taught, and that's all well and good, and we're different, and that's fine. But when it comes to matters, spiritual matters, I just want to reiterate, thank God we can know some things, and it's really simple, why? Because God gave us the book. God gave us the Bible. This doesn't change, amen? Again, you can have your own opinions about things, but I thank God that there's some things that are black and white. I am a King James man from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Amen. It says, and we know, and then it says that that all things, that's a tall order, that all things work together for good to them that love God. There's a qualifier. Amen. And so I got to ask you, anybody love God in here? Amen. Amen. Well, that's good. That's a good thing because if you do, it says what it says. It said all things work together for them, uh, work together for good to them that love God. 
Now, what it doesn't say is that all things are good. It doesn't say that, doesn't imply that. I've seen things that, since I've been saved and I can't figure out in a million years what God was thinking. I'm glad I don't have a burden to be able to. I don't try to explain it. I'm glad for verses like this. I'm glad he's God. Uh, I'm glad for faith. Amen. I got a granddaughter, two weeks old today, over there at Children's NICU, uh, fighting for her life. It started to look like she's getting on top of uh, the issues. Thank you for praying. Please continue uh, to pray. Her name is Lillian. Uh, just to be honest, I, I, I drive home and I'm thinking, what? God, really? And I know it'll be okay. And I'm watching how my daughter and my son-in-law are handling it, and I'm real happy about it. I want to say proud of them, but shouldn't say that. Can you follow me? Amen. I know what God can do through that will be not only good, but glorious. I believe that. Listen, like your preacher, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when all things are good, when we see him face to face. That day's coming, and it looks like it's right around the corner. Now, let me ask you this, Bible believers. Do you believe that, uh, let me see, I'll read it again, what I want to read. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you believe that that applies to you here and now doctrinally? Do you? I know you hate it when preachers ask questions. That is Pauline, gun barrel straight to a local New Testament church. It couldn't apply anymore to you doctrinally. There's no spiritualizing that. Amen. I'm glad it's in there, but I say that to say this. The verse goes on to say, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And I want to remind you something today. That's every bit as much doctrinally applicable to you as the part we all like. Amen. Uh, God's not like us. We strike a good lick uh, every once in a while. We do something, works out. Praise. God's got a purpose for everything he does. Amen. And he's got a purpose for you. And if you're saved in here, you're called. Amen. And you've got a calling, amen? And, uh, and, uh, and we need to just make sure that it's according to his purpose. Number one, we're talking about you've got a, you've got, he's got a purpose for you to minister. Take your Bible. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, when I say minister, I'm not saying, you know, every, you should be a preacher, you should be an evangelist. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, where is the pastor? He skipped out when I got up here. Listen, chief of naval operations is too low a bar for what God called Mike Elliott to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wouldn't step down as an evangelist of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the president of the United States. Because that's what it'd be. Uh, it'd be a step down. Amen. That's the way I feel about it. That's the way you ought to feel about it. That's the way you ought to feel about being a child of God. Amen. I, I, get, I get wore out by Christians. They say, well, we're just sinners. 
You are a child of the Most High God. And you've got some baggage. And we got to fight to the end of the line to keep that stinking flesh down. But I wonder what would happen, what kind of impact we'd make instead of making excuses if we'd conduct ourselves like children of the Most High God. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another uh, as good stewards, of the manifold grace of God. The gift is the grace of God. And if you're saved here tonight, uh, God, or today, whatever it is, <laughs> I don't care. And uh, you've got, God's got a purpose for you to minister that grace to each other, to other Christians. The word minister as a verb means, means to help, means to serve. Amen. And his purpose for you and I, beloved, is that we minister, that we help, that we encourage each other. Amen. Listen, let's face it. We got a lot going for us. When I'm talking about us now in the age of grace. We got a lot going. We've got a salvation we can't mess up. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, if you could lose it, I'd have lost it the day I got it and the next day too. And Amen. And uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we got to sell. I mean, let's look at man's track record was pretty lame, starting with Adam and Eve, right through the law, right down the line. And uh, so he says, man, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, not, not even paraphrasing, speak as a fool. I think that's what Paul would say. It. Uh, God's up there looking around at all these angels and going, man, it's going to get awful lonely up here. I got to do something. I got to figure out something, get some people up here. And he came up with what? Grace? For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And once you're saved, once you got in on the gift of God, the gift of grace, uh, uh, you're to minister that same grace. You've got a salvation you can't mess up. I think you need to tell somebody about that, don't you? Yes. We got a lot going for us. You got the Holy Spirit inside of you. He moved in. I said it in Sunday school. He ain't leaving. Try as you may. And I know some people that look like they're trying to run him off. And they're not going to run him off. They're not going to run him off. But they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be all miserable until <laughs> they get to the end. Amen. So you're sealed until the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? I'll tell you what else. We got a lot going for us. We have the infallible, inerrant word of God. We have scripture. I mean, you'd think there wouldn't be any problem with sin 2,000 years after Calvary with all that going for us. <laughs> yeah, that not, right? He's given us something else, something else we take for granted. With all those three eternal things, he knew we needed something else. You know what it was? Each other. We need each other. I said the verse this morning, iron sharpeneth iron. And so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider one another uh, to provoke unto love and unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, God came up with this. This isn't just a social thing. This isn't a club. It isn't a clique. It isn't it. I'm, I'm sick of all that. But boy, to be part of the body of Jesus Christ, and then part of a local church that gets it. Amen. Man, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Amen. I'm glad uh, God's given us each other along with all that other stuff, but, but uh, uh, he's got a purpose for us. 
and that to help one another, to encourage, to minister to one another. Take your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 1. Interesting passage reading through the, the epistle, the second letter there to the church at Corinth. And Paul begins the, this, uh, this, well, it's a chapter to us. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed... Bear with me. Paul's been questioned. His apostleship's been challenged. He's had to defend himself. I think by the time you get to this point in his ministry, he's just tired of it. He says, hey, hey, how about the benefit of the doubt? He goes on later in this same chapter and talks about uh, three days and a, a shipwreck in a sea. Amen. I'd rather... That sea thing, I've never been out on a boat, but there's fish out there big enough to eat. Yes, even me, I don't want no part of it. I'd go insane floating around on a board for like even a, I'm not going canoeing, forget it. Amen. That's not mandatory for members, is it? Because, uh, amen, <laughs> I want a delayed entry program. And, uh, but Paul went through some stuff, and he'd been going through that stuff, and he recounts it. But by the time he writes that right there, he's caught the blues. He's been stoned. And he goes, hey, man, don't I deserve the benefit of the doubt? And of course he did. And I want to submit to you today as we endeavor to embrace the concept of ministering to one another that we need to learn to give one another the benefit of the doubt. This isn't a club. Again, this isn't a clique. We're not jockeying for position. We're not competing with each other. Amen. We're supposed to be a fellowship. I heard Doc say, a bunch of fellows in the same ship. And, and, and ladies, too, fell. I don't know how to do that. But anyway, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Amen. And I uh, just learned this now. I'm in churches all the time. And I don't go in there and people say, oh, pray for me. This is what's going wrong. Most people don't do that ever. And pastors don't load us up either, you know. Uh, they kind of hope that God will tell us what to say, what to preach. That way, God gets the glory, you know. And uh, we'll go and play. It's a pretty common greeting. I mean, Maine to Miami, Southern California, all the way up to Oregon. You believe there's Christians in Portland? There's good people up there. <laughs> Amen. And everywhere. We've been in all 50 states. And uh, here's a pretty common greeting. Uh, how you doing? How you doing? Some of them, how you doing? <laughs> Some of them, there's different, I won't do the Boston thing. But, uh, but uh, you know what, the general answer is, fine. Now you spend four or five days, spend a week with some folks, you find out that some of them that said fine. You know, in the long view, it's fine. But in the nasty, now, now people are struggling with some stuff and things aren't always fine and, and we need to learn to give one another the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, somebody might not walk in all grinning and uh, cheerful like they did last week and instead of saying, man, maybe I should pray for them instead of wondering what's going on there. Let's check Facebook. I hate Facebook. Would you still vote in me in if I told you that? That's why I didn't. Okay, anyway, and my wife hates it more than me. Just letting you know, Amen. But uh, we need to learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes, I mean, it's that way right here today. There are people burdened down 
with a load of care, still in church, singing praise to God because they're saved, because they have confidence, and just the thing, thing, the verse we started with, all things work together for good, whether we can see it right now or not. Amen. We need to work together and encourage one another. Amen. We need to, the Bible word is minister. God's got a purpose. We need to not be so quick to criticize. It's called, hey, here's a novel idea. It's called having grace. And I, I got news for you. Let me help you with that. You're going to want it, boy. You're going to want it when your day comes. So you ought to be giving it now while you can. Amen. You think you got it all under control? God's way of, got a way of showing you you don't. Amen. There are things I don't want to get tested on in my life. I want, my wife taught me this. I want to err on the side of righteousness and grace. Amen. I didn't come from a very graceful lifestyle. And neither did some of you. No big deal. But boy, I got, a, I got an example in my life. An example. I've got hundreds of examples. And I want to I wanna minister because I've been ministered to. Have you? All right, so God's got a purpose. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And, and the first purpose is to minister. And that's our relationship with each other. Let me just say it again. We're not in competition. We're not in competition with the next church down the road. We're not in competition with the lost. Amen. We're here to win the lost. That brings us to point number two. Take your Bible and go to Acts chapter 1. We're not in competition with each other. Amen. And say, well, why would you say that? Buddy, I've seen it all. That's why. I've seen it. It ought not be so. When the flesh, boy, when the flesh runs things, don't you remember? The flesh runs them into the ground and beyond. <laughs> All right, now, first, uh, first Acts, first Acts, not second Acts. Uh, one time I said, turn your Bible to Titus, second Titus, chapter 2. <laughs> and you folks, you know your Bible, and, and people giggled, you know. Ha-ha, he made a mistake. And, of course, I realized it, too, and I giggled. You know, I, hey, I'm not afraid to make a mistake. It's a good thing. And, uh, but when I looked up, some people were looking for it fervently. <laughs> I said, right, if you can find 2 Titus in your Bible, read your hand. We'll swap you out with a King James. Amen. Amen. But uh, 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 Acts chapter 1, verse 8, familiar passage. It says, uh, and, and it's the Lord being quoted. He said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you, look what it says. And you shall be witnesses unto me uh, at your family reunion. Uh, to your next door neighbor. Amen. No. It says, you shall be witnesses to me both in uh, Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And the ruse really took this one to heart. And under the uttermost part uh, of the earth. Amen. Make sure we're done. Uttermost part of the earth. Amen. God, that's what he, we're talking about. God's purpose, his purpose. He, we've got a mission We've got a mission to represent Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. He doesn't call us all to Ukraine or, or South Vietnam. He doesn't call us all to Alaska. Some of us he calls to the place where you work or the street where you live or the school that you go to. But regardless of where, we've been 
We've been called to be a witness. That's the mission. Brother, he's deputy to say, God did not save you and leave you here to suck air and consume products. I wanted to be more gentle. I was in North Carolina, and I said, God did not leave you here, leave you here, save you, just to leave you down here uh, 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 to, to keep the Baptist mall in business. Everybody looked at me and said, you know, Super Walmart. That's the Baptist. Did you know that? You know, in that very service, one guy was the manager of a Super Walmart, and his wife was the finance officer of another. Yeah, I, I don't go back there. I don't know what happened there. Amen. But there's just more to this than just, you understand what I'm saying? Accumulating stuff. Amen. I had so much stuff. I had Corvettes. I had Harleys. And boy, I'll tell you what, we had a sale one morning. It took about a half hour. The Fed took everything I had. Yeah. Every, I mean, everything I had. And then I went, whoa, that was quick. <laughs> and they said, oh, we're not done. You, you're next. Amen. And uh, amen. And then, I mean, now that was 31 years ago. I got a house. I got a garage. I got sheds. I don't even know what that is. Where does all this stuff come from? We just accumulate stuff. Amen. amen. God didn't save us here to accumulate stuff. We don't keep score by what we buy, what we, you understand? That's how the world, can, that's a terrible way to keep score. Amen. I saw a pickup down in Florida that said, uh, I mean, it was a nice big old lifted four-wheel drive. I think it was Brother Barry's big old four-wheel <laughs> pulling a bass boat, had a big old ATV in the back. I mean, it was probably 100 grand. This was 25, oh, more than that, 30. Wow, I've been saved 30. Okay. And, uh, and uh, I know you're used to this joint, disjointed kind of jumping around. I noticed that. So, and... <laughs> Amen. He's not in here. Don't worry, Bethany. And, uh, and uh, I love track. That's how God does to get back at you. And on the, on the bumper sticker on the back of his truck, it says, he who dies with the most toys wins. And I know, you know, and I'm lost, you know, and I'm thinking, whoa, this guy's ahead, man, because he's got, I'm, all that, he didn't have a motorcycle. And if he left that thing parked somewhere with the keys in it, he wouldn't have had that either. But uh, I'm telling you, that ain't, he that dies with the most toys dies. And he that dies without Jesus Christ goes right to hell. And Brother Danny Hall used to sing a song about never seeing a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Amen. And we've got a higher calling than just accumulate stuff. And I'll tell you what it is. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. I was hurrying in Sunday school. I ain't even hurrying now. Dinner on the ground. You guys are going to be till 4 o'clock. Amen. Yeah, because you ain't going to get in there till 2. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My wife hates it when I do that. That's probably why I do it. It's just in there. I don't know what it is. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look what it says, verse 20. It says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As... Uh, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's dead. Be ye reconciled to God. Amen. Uh, it says, now then ye, the context, you go back a couple verses. It says in verse 17, uh, uh, oh, this is my life verse. What is it? What is verse 17? Somebody help me out. Start it open. Therefore, therefore, is that right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things 
are become new. See, when your preacher gets my age, he's going to have, you need help too. I'm just setting you up. Amen. And uh, he'll get it. Just give him a little help. Amen. Uh, we're ambassadors. That's it. I'd say, well, I'm not called. No. If, are you saved? Are you a new creature in Christ? You're supposed to be a representative. What is, a, what is an ambassador? Uh, uh, listen, we got, we got embassies in countries all over the world. And nobody has my opinion of that, but that's just how it is. And, uh, and uh, there's countries where, like, third world, whatever that means. I think we're down to eighth world now. And uh, Los Angeles is in that list. But, uh, but uh, uh, we, got, we got countries in the world. They don't see Americans. They don't see Americans much. There's not industry. There's not tourism. And what I'm saying is this. Maybe the, there's places where the only Americans that interact with that that city um, would be that ambassador and his staff and the Marines. We got any Marines in here? We got any Marines in here? Marine veterans? You don't say ex-Marines because I've been there. I did that one once. Amen. Well, thank you for your service, whatever you served in. We have Marine Corps assigned to our embassies. Amen. And, uh, and uh, chances are there's places where the only Americans that people interact with are those people, that embassy, that staff, you following me? Because you're like looking really hungry or something. <laughs> and here's what I'm saying. Um, you know what they're going to do? They're going to judge all of us. They're going to judge all of America by that little group. And you know what? We live in a lost and dying world where even in America where there's a lot of churches and a lot of nice people. I'll be the first to tell you that. But there's going to be people then, the only, perhaps the only, sure enough, born again, Bible-believing Christian that may have crossed their path just might be you. Maybe at school, maybe at work, maybe in your neighbor. But you got a high calling. God's got a purpose for you. And you're to represent him. Amen. And this said about, well, I'm saved now and I'm going to heaven and I'm not going to drink and smoke like the Catholics don't either. Well, some of them do. What I'm saying is uh, living by religious rules does not get the job done. Amen. We got to take it to them. Uh, Paul said it like this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Go ahead and go there. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. And Paul wrote it like this. He said, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy. Are you saved in there? Yeah. You obtained mercy, didn't you? How be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to, ever, to life everlasting. Amen. As far as I can tell, that is the only positive application of me first in your entire Bible. Now, not so with the mentality of the world we live in. That is the battle cry of the flesh. Me first. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Dr. Ugg, you say it like this. Joy, J-O-Y is Jesus, others, and I don't know how to do the Y, and you. <laughs> he says, uh, you ain't first, big boy. You're last. And right there is the only positive application and it has to do with representing Jesus Christ to who? Uh, them For a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Amen. It said for this cause. That's his purpose, see. And uh, we're here. We're, you know, people talk, say dumb things all the time. I do. And you do too. 
Okay, just be clear. And, uh, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Abraham, and I'm going to ask Paul these questions. I've told my wife. I said, when you get up there, you need to have a serious talk with Eve. Because as far as I can see, this is, a lot of this is, and then she walks off. I don't think she's ever let me finish that sentence. And truth of the matter is, you know, we're going to know as we're known in, and we're going to understand all things, and nobody's going to be asking dumb questions. But I'm going to tell you what, the one that comes to my mind, I would ask the Lord Jesus Christ, why would you leave something as important as the glorious gospel of God in the hands of people like us? And he knows he would have an answer. He's got this worked out that that's how he'll get the most glory. But are you, if you follow what I'm trying to say, we've got a big responsibility. God's got a big purpose for us to represent him. Now, in Memorial Day, uh, we got some veterans here, and I'm a veteran. And uh, military's got, uh, we got people all over the world. We got people all over the world. I asked my son one time, uh, he was uh, in the 82nd Airborne, and uh, he was in Iraq three times, and uh, he was stationed down at Fort Bragg, and one time when we were back on, off the road, I said, uh, Pete, I said, uh, uh, what are they talking about? I mean, things were going nuts in Iraq and Af Afghanistan. I said, what are they saying uh, down there? I'm waiting to hear that he's going to be deployed again, and so is he. And uh, I said, what are they saying? And he said, Everybody knows about Afghanistan and Iraq. He said, we're monitoring. Talk about the 82nd Airborne Division, which can be deployed anywhere in the world in 12 hours. They said, we are monitoring 66 hot spots around the world at all times. South America, Africa. Central America. And we've got men and women that have, for whatever their reason, that have stepped up to the plate, whether it was for their college benefits or whatever it was. And I'm going to tell you what a veteran does. When you join the military, you hand the United States of America a blank check with your name signed on it, and you give them 100% control of your life. And I salute you. Amen? And we've got soldiers, we've got sailors and airmen and Marines all over the world. And, and, but, but they're there with what? They're there with a mission. Amen? It, it's, they're on temporary assignment. If a guy goes to Afghanistan for a year, it's still temporary assignment. In other words, he gets to come home. There's a time in which he uh, gets to come home. Amen? They're not there to become citizens of those countries they're deployed to. And here's why. If they did, well, they wouldn't be able to accomplish their mission. Why? Conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. You follow me? Let me say this to you. If you're saved in here, your citizenship is in heaven. According to Ephesians chapter 2, you're already seated in heavenly places. Say, how do you explain that? Never occurred to me to try. I read it. I believe it. Amen? Yeah, it works for me. Amen. Your citizenship is in heaven. But when you get entrenched down here, you're on temporary assignment, that means. Like pilgrims, uh, sojourners, strange land, passing through all that. Right? Right? But he doesn't just leave you down here to wait, suffer, how long we got to put. No, he's giving you something to do. 
That's what makes Christian life exciting. That's what makes us being like this like special ops. We've got a mission and we are behind enemy lines, don't you know? Amen. And if you're just waiting around and waiting for exit, then you're probably bored to death. I'm not bored. I see every once in a while, we get to see God reach down from heaven and bring somebody up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And I'll stand back and say, I had a guy get saved not too long ago. I think it was Sunday school. It wasn't nothing about salvation in the whole message. God said, it wasn't ever about you anyway, dummy. That's what God does. That's exciting. I've never seen anything like it. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we are Bible believers, rabid military Bible believers. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Doesn't say sailor. Where is he? He's back there. <laughs> good soldier. Good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we like that, don't we? We like that. I want to be a good soldier. And you know what we do? We stop right there. The next verse says, No man of worth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if you get entangled in the affairs of this life, as many Christians do, you're not going to accomplish your mission. For the same reason as that soldier whose loyalties are divided. You've got a conflict of interest. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, the text is, uh, uh, to them who are the called according to his, his purpose. And the first purpose is for us to minister to one another. It's our relationship with one another. And the second purpose is our relationship with the lost and dying world. And it's to represent them. They don't even know what you think. When I got called to preach at uh, Jimmy Hood's mission in Columbus, and I came back and I told Brother East Death, hey, I got called to preach. Ah, let's start the world on fire. Of course, I was going to prison in two weeks, but... You know, you forget details sometimes. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to get in the Bible Institute. You need to sit down and shut up. You need to know what God wants you to say. They don't need your opinion. Everybody's, my opinion isn't worth any more than anybody else's, and neither is yours. This world needs God's thoughts on stuff. Amen. And so where to be, our mission is to be a witness. Now, last of all, which means nothing at this point. I want you to know. Amen. And uh, Revelation chapter 4. I just got to say, uh, Revelation, go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 19. And verse, starting with verse 11 about the Lord getting on that horse and vesture dipped in blood. I love reading that stuff. Verse 14, I just got to say this for the sake of your pastor. It says, and the armies that followed him. So, I, you know, I thank you for your service in the Navy, but one day you're going to be in the Calvary. Okay, I just want to... Revelation chapter 4 and <laughs> verse 11. And, uh, you know, if you feel a need somewhere within you to say amen while I'm reading this verse, just feel free, because if you don't, I will drag one out of you. Let's start. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Amen. Real slow this morning. You guys stayed up too late. Okay, that's why we're not even eating service, because you'd be brain dead after eating. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. Yeah. I need a card. Where's the cue card? Light something up. Amen. And honor. Yeah. And power. Yeah. And try it again. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Yeah. I like that stuff. And then it tells you why. And the verse goes down and says, For thou hast created 
all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know what that means? That mean, you don't have to waste any more time trying to find your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to please Jesus Christ. That, the purpose of everything is to please Jesus Christ. Everything that he made. Everything he made. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, he made all things. Hey, that, that's just deep. This King James Bible is so hard to understand. I don't get it. That means this. That means this. There's more to the Christian life than just smoking and drinking and cussing. There's more to a Christian life than that. Some people don't do those things, and they just think they're a bunch of goody two Listen, cemeteries full of people who don't do those things. My dog doesn't do those things. There's more to Christian life than that. We, we were created to bring pleasure to Jesus Christ. I listened to one of Dr. Ruckman's tape the other day. He says, what you need to do, you need to ask yourself if what you're looking at right now is okay with God, if what you're talking about, what you're thinking about, where you're going, what you're playing. Run everything by the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I turned that tape off. That's, that's deep. No, I didn't. Amen. And, uh, but we're our, our, okay, you're going to be impressed if I can remember my own outline, minister, we're called a minister. That's his purpose for it. The mission. Now, number the motivation. And the motivation for everything we do is what? To please Jesus Christ. And to please Jesus Christ means, uh, really, it means there's more to this thing than just strolling into church, you know, once in a while when it doesn't conflict with your busy schedule. If your busy schedule interferes with church, your schedule is too busy. Amen. Amen. This should be priority. I understand you got to say this these days or you hurt somebody's feelings. I understand that there are, there are some reasons, you know, where you might, you know, you know the list of reasons is about that. And how high is that steeple out there? Because that's how high the list of excuses people have of not coming to church. I'll amen myself. You know I will. Amen. Brother Rue, you're supposed to be the amen section here. Amen. I already dropped you a lug. Okay. All right. And, uh, and people come in at church. I mean, I preach a revival and, uh, and, uh, and I'll see a big crowd on Sunday morning. And then like they've done God a favor, checked it off their list, never come back to their own meeting. I don't get it. Why people only come to church on Sunday morning and then, then don't even come back on Sunday night. Don't come back on Wednesday night. I don't get that. You, know, you don't. You don't. You don't understand what it takes to prepare a message or a Bible study, or a teaching that a preacher does. And he puts as much into every, every service. And you give him a little token. Uh, yes, token approval. I'll show up on Sunday, on. you know. <coughs> That's the kind of Christianity we're talking about. I believe I did that as a new member. Yes, I got more. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I'm having more fun than some of these folks, Brother Joe. There's more to a consecrated Christian life pleasing Jesus Christ than just reading your Bible when there's nothing good on TV. I did get an amen on that one. That's good. I, this family, I've been in the hospital in and out all week, and, and it reminded me of this story about this uh, uh, husband and wife. They're visiting, uh, they're visiting uh, a family that's in, in intensive care, and the guy, he's, he's done, man. He's on life support, and the family's uh, faced with... Uh, the decision to uh, unplug them, basically. I don't have a nice way of saying that. And the guy's a Christian. The guy's ready to go. The guy does not want to live on life support. And he's reaffirmed that with his wife. And, and, and they make the decision, you know. And, 
And uh, the guy and the wife, you know, they look at each other and said, you know, I feel the same way. And let's just reconfirm our commitment that if ever either one of us ever falls into a vegetative, non-responsive state to just unplug the machine so that, you know, right? I mean, my wife and I have that agreement. Amen. Amen? And uh, so they reconfirmed that. The guy died and went to heaven. And a couple weeks later, you know, the guy's sitting in in front of his TV and his lazy boy, and it's kicked back. He's got a bowl of popcorn, you know, and, and, uh, and a can of Coke or something. Are you allowed to drink Coke here? How crazy are we here? I don't know yet. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's like sleeping. He's drooling. And, he's, and his wife, you know, it's, his wife comes in, and she looks at him, and she just walks over and jerks that plug out of the wall. And all this stopped, and he, he jumps, and he spills the popcorn. And he said, what did you do that for? And the wife looked at him and said, well, you told me if you ever fell into a non-responsive vegetative, <laughs> vegetative state to unplug the machine. I'm going to tell you something, man. I see traveling around many Christians. I'm not talking about all them other people. This is my crowd. I'm talking about our crowd. Many of us have fallen into an unresponsive vegetative state. And I got some good advice for you. Time to unplug the machine. Time to unplug the machine more often than you do. Now, that joke was about television, but there's a lot more. A lot more to unplug these days. Unplug that computer. Unplug that stinking phone. Amen. We need to get along with God more than we do. Time for Christians. Well, what about who? I can't do anything about them. What about you? It's time to wake up. Amen. Uh, we've got, we've got, God's got a purpose for it. We're supposed to minister to each other. Amen. It's hard to do when you're AWOL. It's hard to do when your affections are set on the things of the world. Amen. It's hard to reach a lost and dying world where everything's about you. Amen. It ain't about you. Amen. The motivation for everything we do ought to be. I got, this isn't motivational speaking here. I read you the verse. The motivation for everything we do is to please him. That's why you stop what you stop. I didn't need a theologian to come in and say, okay, now that you're saved, you need to quit drinking. You need to quit doing dope. You need to quit robbing dope houses. I mean, I struggled with some things, but hey, I knew that some things needed to go. It's why you stop what you stop. I'm not saying sometimes it's not hard. I get that. Believe me, I get that. I was a drunk and a dope addict over 25 years. Amen? Uh, but you start doing what you stop doing what you stop because you think your reason that that probably wouldn't please Jesus Christ. So then you put it down on your list as I'm going to try to get victory and he'll help you. Amen. Don't write stuff into the script. It's why you start doing what you start. Now, some of you got saved out of churches and stuff. Maybe you went to churches and held good jobs and looked normal. Amen. Uh, and so now you're reading your Bible correctly and rightly dividing it and, 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 and taking notes. Somebody asked me about taking notes. And uh, that's why you witness. You start doing things. Why? To prove how spiritual you are? No. To please Jesus Christ. That's our motivation. I'm not very good. I, I mean, I, I'll confess. I'm a rebel. I don't like being told what to do. Amen. Um, but I'm willing, to, I'm willing to give him a hearing. 
And if it's there and it's clear and God given me plenty of examples, I'm going, okay, I see it there and I see it there. And uh, I don't want to get tricked. I was in a motorcycle gang. I don't want to get tricked into another club. Amen. What I want is to be attached to something that's real. And I'm going to tell you, 69 years is the realest thing there is. It's not the realest thing I found. It's the realest thing there is. So it's why you start. It's why you give to please Jesus Christ. You don't have to. You don't have to give. You won't get kicked out if you don't. Like a club. Wait a minute. Jerry's a treasurer. Jerry, you don't have. You don't. You're not kicking people out. Okay, just check it. Okay, because I know him. He's my brother-in-law. Amen. Amen. He was the one I was worried about voting me down. Boy, <laughs> wait till I see you in Vermillion up by Lake Erie. It's a good thing. Amen. <laughs> uh, listen. If you don't give, you rob God. I'll give you the verse. It says in Malachi 3 and verse 8, Will a man rob God? Uh, yet, we have, yet you have robbed me, but ye say, Where, Wherein have we robbed thee? And he says it in tithes and offerings. First time I read that, I went, How do you rob God? Where do you get a gun that big? I don't know. And, uh, and you know, you say, you say, Well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Yeah? Take your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll give you some New Testament. I'll give you some New Testament. Amen? Maybe you ain't worried about robbing God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, and the hills and everything else too. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This message would have been over 10 minutes ago, but the preacher said I had all the time. I just wanted you to know it's his fault. You know, getting a, going across the ocean. I went across the ocean in an airplane. We got there just like that. But ship, he's slow going. I mean, you get there, but so I'm like in the Navy today. So it says in uh, verse 6, and this I say, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Boy, I remember Bobby Brindle. Bobby Brindle went home and be with the Lord the other day. Some of you know who that is. And I met him as a baby Christian, and he'd come and he'd, he'd preach at our church, sowing spiritually, and he'd throw a penny out, and then he'd throw a handful of dollars, and some of you are going to reap that, and he'd throw a penny out, and he's illustrating sparingly and, and bountifully. Okay, right, right over, I saw that. Okay, it's okay. Verse 7, every man according, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him Give, okay? We're clear on the context now. We're not sowing corn. Uh, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, cheerful giver. Now, if your purpose, if his purpose for you, if your motivation to fulfill his purpose is to please him, and you got a verse that says he loveth a cheerful giver, I mean, can you connect those dots? Amen. And now it does say not grudgingly. Now I remember as a young evangelist, I was up in Toledo and I was preaching and a preacher got in the pulpit and uh, I'm in a Greyhound bus that Brother Stahl converted for us and Brother, Brother Elliot. And uh, I got four kids and I don't even have a clue what I'm doing and how I went from a motorcycle to a Greyhound bus, I still don't get this. And uh, the preacher gets up there I mean, diesel fuel was probably almost $2 a gallon then. <laughs> yeah, and that was a lot. And, uh, and uh, the preacher says, no, we're going to take an offering for Brother Spurgeon. 
And the Bible says God loveth a cheerful giver. So if you can't give cheerfully, you just keep your money. God doesn't even want it. And I'm sitting there thinking, shut up. That guy at the truck stop don't care what kind of attitude you got. I need some money. Amen. <laughs> but it does say, not grudgingly ever or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Look at verse next, verse 8. Now, if you'll give cheerfully, look what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. There are seven superlative words in that one verse. You know what that means? If you don't give, if you don't live, learn to give cheerfully, you rob yourself. Amen? I'm talking about pleasing Jesus Christ. That's why we clean up our act. Believe me, some of you might have got saved and you were, you know, a lawyer, an officer, a used car salesman, lawyers, used car salesman. Where's, where's Brother Philip? Okay. And, uh, and uh, you might have dressed like this. I didn't, this is not our uniform of the day in the Outlaws Motorcycle Club. Unless we're going to court, then, you know, that we always have a suit or one you can borrow. Amen. And, uh, and uh, but I got saved and I came in with long hair and I came in with, and, and you know, I could dress anywhere I want. I'm saved. God loves me. Okay. Right on. Right on. But I started looking around and I said, okay, now I want to learn how to be a Christian. And I started looking around how Christians looked and how Christians that had a testimony now Christians that were winning people to God. And I wanted to get in line. I wanted to get in uniform. Amen. I wasn't trying to say, well, bless God, I can do anything I want. That's what I did when I was lost. Man, hopefully I got some of that out of my system. Some of you need to get that out of your system. Amen. Amen. Well, I've changed, boy, since I got saved. Uh, welcome to the sloppy agape church age. I know I don't usually go to the Greek, but and I'm not sure what it means, but it rhymes, so I'm using it. But boy, I tell you what, what do you see in churches, the Brother Spurgeon traveling around? I'm going to tell you something. The casual movement has crept into our churches. The casual movement has produced a lot of casualties in the body of Jesus Christ, in the body of Christians that ought to know better. I'll tell you where the casual movement starts. It starts in appearance, then it goes to attendance, then it affects your attitude. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Buddy, I don't want that to be my testimony. I refuse to go with that flow. Amen? Amen and amen. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Here's where I say I'm almost done. You know, leave it up to you. His purpose for you is that your motivation to be a blessing to other Christians, which are oftentimes very different than you are. We were leaving a church one time, and I told my wife, I said, well, those people are kind of different, aren't they? And she said, yeah. She said, yeah, well, everybody can't be, like, absolutely normal like Dave Spurgeon. <laughs> and I said, I guess you're right. <laughs> Oh, we see it, man, traveling around. I mean, we're everywhere. 
And uh, boy, God is not limited by demographics and 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 lang accents. Ah, oh, you know, you got my drift, right? Some of you just what you're the drift you're interested in is coming in from the other place. I'm almost done. Uh, your motivation to be a spiritual light in a very spiritually dark world is that you want to please him. Amen. That should be. That needs to be our motivation. Uh, we don't do what we do out of duty. We don't do what we do out of guilt. We don't do what we do out of rules. The Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. Our motivation ought to be to show the Lord that we appreciate his love was manifested on a cross. He don't ask that of you. He just asked you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. All right. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Truth be known, most Christians, most people, and most Christians too, probably, or too many Christians, spend their entire life trying to fulfill their own purpose. I'm going to ask you this morning, uh, how are you doing at fulfilling his do you encourage or did, just be honest within yourself, no show of hands. Do you encourage or discourage other Christians? Are people glad to see you coming? They look out the window and in comes your car. Are they, oh, so and so's here? Or like, do they cringe? <laughs> do they roll? Do groups that are gathered talking disperse when you approach? On a regular basis. You know, it might just be done. But I mean, on a regular, you need to ask yourself these things. Amen. <laughs> Let me ask you, are you the witness you should be? You know, we got a lot of, I mean, I grew up in the 60s. Uh, went across the country in the early 70s after the military. And that's back when people still hitchhiked. I picked up hitchhikers. I, I get people rides from a college in California to chip in on gas, you know. And, and, uh, and uh, boy, I don't think hitchhiking is a good idea these days. But I'll tell you what I see traveling around. I see a lot of people that have a testimony of being saved by grace, and they're a bunch of spiritual hitchhikers. Say, what do you mean? They took the best God had to offer, the gift of eternal life that came at the cost of God's own son, and just don't see any responsibility and giving back nothing. If that's you, you missed it. You missed his purpose. Amen? All right. And, uh, and maybe to somebody in here, his purpose for this message might be for you to get unentangled in the affairs of this life. Say, so how do I do that? Well, I'm pretty sure it starts right here. And you say, well, it's hard. I know. Believe me, I've been there. Get God in on it. Get God in on it. Quit trying to figure it all out yourself. Are you saved? Get God in on it. Amen. All right. The Bible says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies be at peace with him. I know Christians, their friends aren't even at peace with them. <laughs> if I'm reading the verse right, it might mean something's going on that I want to please the Lord. I fail a lot. Amen. But I want to. Amen. And I hope you want to, too. So ask yourself, do your ways please the Lord?
this morning. And if there's an area where, you know, yeah, you're saved, you love Jesus, you're King James, you're active, you've done this, you've won people, you've... If there's something going on in your life and you be honest enough about within your own spirit to admit just between you and him that God's probably not real pleased with this. If that would be true and you could honor that, answer that honestly, why don't you do something about it? Let's all stand. Why don't we do business with God for a few minutes? You know the beauty of the crock pot? You know, it's going to keep for five more minutes. You know the most important time of any message is the five minutes following the final amen. Preaching's not going to change your life. What you do with it can. Let's do something with the word of God this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Wait, somebody in here this morning say, Brother Spurgeon, I don't have the assurance that you talk about when you talk about going to heaven. And uh, I sure don't want to go to that place called hell, and I didn't mention that much today. But uh, if you're in here on a Sunday morning and you've never been born again, that'd be your eternal home and it doesn't have to be. And Jesus Christ went the distance to make a way so that it not be. And if you're in here this morning and say, uh, Brother Spurgeon, would you, I don't have that confidence, that assurance. Would you pray for me? Would you just head bowed and eyes closed, slip your, slip your hand up, and I'll uh, just include you in a general prayer. I won't save the third person in the fifth row. I don't, I'm not playing games like that. If you're in here and you'd like prayer, I don't prayer. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. I'll pray for you. Lord will not see it, and I'll pray for you. All right? Well, I hope that's the case. And let me say this, too. I heard the gospel in a jail cell, and I was given an eye opportunity, and I didn't respond either. It was not my comfort zone. And, uh, but I got it a little bit later. And I'd say this to you. If you're not sure, there's people, there's men, there's women, there's teenagers in here. That would be happy to open a Bible and show you what the Bible says. So if you're in there and you don't know where you'd spend eternity, you don't have to go home not knowing. If you're in here and you're saved, and most of you would claim that you are, well, the message was for you, wasn't it? And that's a high calling. And uh, it says, Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the high calling of God is to try to fulfill his purpose. Um, to be a vessel meet for the master's youth. So, altar's open. Brother Joe, you got a song, and we'll do all the things. But let's do business with God before we break for, for, a, for a wonderful meal. All right?